What's up, bitches? Hey, hey, hey. We got the wiggle. What's going on? <laughs> I just noticed your shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> Never forget. Floppy disks, VHS, and cassette tapes. Never forget them. Welcome to the Porch Factor, ladies and gentlemen. I am Ron. I am Drew. And we are chilling like villains as per huge. Oh, my goodness gracious. This has been one of those weeks that has never wanted to end. Like, bruh. Every time I thought it was like, all right, we're, we're smooth sailing. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> nope. Negative. Be a oh. negative ghost rider. The pattern the is full. Pattern is full as fuck. It's like when you're like, oh, you're about to call downwind and like nine people are in front of you and you're like, fuck this. I'm going to another airport. <laughs> yeah, peace. Later. Let pattern work elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> or me playing chicken with a mad dog. I told you about that, haven't I? Is this a riddle? Yeah. Okay. No, you didn't tell me about this story. So I am coming back uh, from New Smyrna. Right, and uh, landing 2-5 right. So I'm just going down straight down the coastline, right? About to turn final, and tower clears me to land, right? So now it's mine. I was given the clearance. It's now It now belongs to me. Yeah, it's now your runway. And I'm in a 172. <laughs> <laughs> an approach speed of whopping 65 knots. Yes. And... <laughs> Apparently, there was the Delta Mad Dog behind me, and he was calling final, but it was like a three-mile final, right? But in three miles of a jet... That's a thousand what? feet off the ground. He's inside the marker. He's he, he, he's, he's tighter than a virgin's asshole on that one. Yeah. And he's crawling up behind a Cessna. Correct. Who... Okay. I, I, am, I am a solid... What, 120 seconds from even crossing the threshold at that point? <laughs> okay, this wasn't like short final get off at the first exit and dip. No, okay. <laughs> so, here I am, flying it, and I'm, I'm looking at my instructor, and he's looking at me, and I could see the mad dog making it, you know. <laughs> he's like, you're looking out to your right, there he is. <laughs> and I'm like... Tower obviously okay. overestimated your ground speed. Apparently. <laughs> it's so, like, oh, he's in a Cessna, not a turboprop. Oh, wait a minute. So I turn and, uh, and line up on final. And as soon as we finished the turn, I looked over my, my instructor's right shoulder and I could start to see like details in the aircraft. You know, that little black nose. <laughs> it's, not that just the the little, it's not just the landing lights that you see out in the distance. No, like, no I can spot individual engines. I, I can, can tell he got his flaps out. <laughs> I can see that the pilot is a white man. <laughs> so I radioed up to the tower. I said, uh, tower, they're real close. I don't want to make them go around. I'm going to do a 360 here and I'll get behind them. They're like, all right. So I literally did a 360. And I had enough to do a 360, like a, a, a 15 degree full 360. Get behind him and above him, obviously. Get behind him and above him and let him go by. He was off the runway before I lined up again. 
That's Which how is good because his wake turbulence would flip your ass. Exactly. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, MD80, not like one of the worst planes in the world for wake turbulence, but if you're in a Cessna, everything that the airlines operate is bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, hey, we're going to practice inverted flight inside the pattern altitude. <laughs> Why is my engine cut out? Oh, because the gravity feed fuel system decided no. No, I'm good. No, I'm out. <laughs> oh my, yeah, all right, I'm head out. <laughs> I, I'm head out. <laughs> so, Thanks. 360 at you know consistent altitude. He goes by me, and I literally see hit their faces. Yeah. So you're in the right hand turn, and you see him out there at three o'clock. You're passing by, waving, and go, "Thanks, dude." Yep. <laughs> and your go around is going to cost a lot less than ours will. Exactly. <laughs> he radios up, and he goes, "Hey, thanks, appreciate it." I was like, "Yeah, no problem." And he goes by. I stay at the same altitude 15 degree again line right back up and above and you know landed long right obviously so i land long and as we're rolling out he is already off on oh he would have rolled way down probably to like november three or yeah november three or number four and then you know and directly over to let's see i've got a satellite photo of the fucking Uh, uh, speedway hanging on the wall right here and you can actually see (laughs) one of the intersections thankfully (laughs) He was a good man. He didn't float. He hit the very beginning of the TDC, the TDZ, and so I didn't have to float. You know, <laughs> halfway to 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 the land. Yeah, long, long landing <laughs> on seven left, same runway, other direction. Normal. We did that all the time. We save taxi times. Oh yes. yeah, we just land long. We get approval from the tower. We deliberately land long because it's a two mile long runway. For yes. Us, so. It, Cessna doesn't need anywhere near that much landing distance. So you land, you make an early exit on the taxiway, and then you have to taxi all the way down to the far end where the parking area was for us. At crawl speed. At crawling, at walking pace, basically. (laughs) It's a lot easier to do that when you're at 65 knots than (laughs) 10. Yes. So that was it. Was nice of him, you know. And I didn't say anything else on the radio because I was still young, so I wasn't, you know, like liberal with my my chatting on the radio. Um. So I was gonna be like, yeah, it's like, yeah, bro. After six, after sixty five hundred hours, it's like, believe me, that that does come later. Oh yeah, I <laughs> that, felt, that that comes much later. It's it, it is a very real thing. Uh, there's a reason why. Uh, 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 is it JFK? I think uh, JFK was it Steve? Oh, the ground controller. The ground yeah, controller. the guy with the sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that, there's a reason that comes and and happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know your job well enough that you can enjoy yourself while you do it. You're not constantly freaked out about okay, am I doing this right? Like you know you're doing it right, and you've got a couple extra neurons available to have fun with inside the brain. You know, you're not I using s- every ounce of brain power you have all the time. I will say that I have never heard of any kind of incursion happening at that airport. With him until as the controller. well, I don't know. With him on control, yes. Yeah, until last week. <laughs> well, yeah, I think he's retired now. <laughs> Pretty sure he's retired now. I, okay, yeah, it's yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's, I think I've Was flown through JFK like three times entirely in my life. <laughs> Is it? I don't, it may be not J- <sighs> JFK. Sounds about right because I know there's a controller there who is a ground control guy, and he's. I've heard ATC tapes on him. He's fun. <laughs> or used to be. I don't know if he's still there. Kennedy. Like, Steve, yeah, last yeah. stuff I heard was like ten years ago. Yeah, it's JFK. He's uh, Kennedy Steve. Okay. He, he retired back in twenty seventeen. 
Okay, so yeah, fairly recent. But he totally had a cult following. There's so oh, many everybody people. Everybody loved that dude. I remember one Steve. tape where some dude did the uh, welcome to you know you know welcome to New York Kennedy Airport about PA. Yeah. On the radio frequency yeah. by mistake That's as he's taxiing one. in. So this guy's trying to give taxi instructions to everybody else, and this dude's just sitting there. Yeah, it's like uh, we arrived, and he's like we're gonna be holding short of the gate, and he hadn't bothered to check his audio panel to make sure he's on the right thing when he's talking. So he thinks he's talking on the PA to everybody in the back of the plane. He's on the radio instead on the ground control frequency. The guy gets done with it, and Steve goes, come on, guys, you're not going to let him get away with that, are you? And he literally prompts everybody else on the frequency to razz him. Yeah, and it's glorious. <laughs> like, nice. It is absolutely Come on, guys, you're not going to let him get away with that, are you? Come on, guys. Uh, here we go. Let's see if I can. I'm going to play some of it. 119, left Yankee, right hotel, and hold short of four left, please. Left Yankee, right hotel, short four left, Delta 119. Six Fox, let me see the traffic short final for four left. Airflot, left alpha, you can't stop. You gotta keep going. Smashing the desk in front of him. Three, one, five, left alpha. Keep going, sir. I got traffic. It's about to go around. You gotta keep moving the airplane. Please taxi. Please In Soviet Russia, airplane taxi. Yes. Airflot 315, Pretty much right where we're at on the runway. Well, he ran across the runway. There's a black cat. A black cat? Yeah, a black cat just ran across our path right there at that intersection. <laughs> well, I hope the rest of your day goes well. Um, is he clear of the runway? He's not embedded in the runway, is he? No, no, he's uh, south of the runway. <laughs> he's not embedded in the runway, is he? <laughs> he didn't run him over, did he? <laughs> right by the sign over there. All right, thank you for the report. At oh. DFW, I've had coyotes actually running across taxiways. Not coyotes. the runway, but, well, but taxiways. Coyotes. Jesus oh, yeah. Christ. Uh. I mean, it's like, oh, is that a dog? No, not quite. <laughs> Close. <laughs> <laughs> kind Delta of dog you don't want to pet. No. Well, the last <laughs> arrival reported a black cat running across the runway about midfield. Just um, advise if you want to discontinue the approach. Otherwise, you're still clear to land. Clear to land, uh, Delta 312. <laughs> 312, that's obviously a big bird. And she's like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> Crush that <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> that cat got me all disheveled. Did you want golf short of 2-2 two -two right for uh, 2101? 2101, yeah, this whole short of 2-2 two -two right on golf. Thanks. <laughs> so, so for Echo Kilo, right turn on Echo, contact ground on 121.8. could listen to these forever. For Echo Kilo, I am looking my... It's the next right turn, the right turn right next to you. You need to make it turn right now. Okay, you got it. Exit the uh, runway and then call ground on 121.8. Ground point. Oh, ours was 121.9. Ground yeah, point nine. And usually ground is usually 121 point something. That way it's, okay, ground point something. So it's like, it's easy. Right. Okay, you're trying to turn off the runway. Maybe you forgot to set the frequency or whatever. It's like, oh, it's 21 something. Yeah. Or if they have like three different ground frequencies that are 21 this, 21. We have like three of them in DFW. It's 2165, 218, and 2185. 218 is like the third one where it's like busy as shit. 
and we got like big weather and guys got to hold short and go hang out over in the penalty box and everything because they're waiting to take off or there's a ground stop because we got thunderstorms rolling in. I don't know what the one for Dulles is. Dulles is. Oh, it's been so long. It's been a decade. On, well, not a decade. Uh, 2015? Might have been the last time I was there. It's about eight years. 21625 uh, is the main. West is. Yep, Ground Point 62. Uh, West is Ground Point Niner. East is UHF. Oh, okay. So they got the 317. Uh, so they got uniform frequencies too, because I guess yeah. they're expecting fighter planes. Yeah, I guess so. Because I'm, yeah, it's all VHF stuff for uh, for civilian stuff. At least everything that I've used. Yeah. You know, yeah, uniform frequencies are only usually only used by military. So I government. guess they uh, well they have ramp obviously um, because there's east and west there. There used to be east, west, and central at Dulles. Now there's only east and west. And then I guess so central I guess the, is all the ramp, ramp controller heads the center Everything. section. Yeah, okay. yeah. Central is no I mean, it's longer. It's been so long since I've flown through Dulles, man. Interesting. <laughs> like I said, about eight years. Yeah. So I also follow uh, Captain Joe, um, and I, I think Captain Joe is from uh, Lufthansa. I think, and uh, his his YouTube channel is great as well. But he met Kennedy Steve, yeah. and. There's going to be folks like y'all that haven't gone to our website. They haven't gone to the Facebook and stuff like that. So you haven't seen our faces. You haven't even watched the live thing. You're just listening to it as a podcast. So you probably have, and I, I hope you do because it at least makes me less insane, uh, uh, a thought, a visual of what somebody looks like, especially when you're listening to them on the radio. Well, everybody i mean i had thoughts before i saw pictures of them for opie and anthony ron and fez ron and fez one really fucked me up um obviously everybody knows howard um and then there's other people like in dc we have elliot in the morning and elliot that one really fucked me up like i was not expecting when i finally got to i actually got to meet him at an event and I was like, just, you know, somebody said, oh, yeah, that's Elliot. From I was like, from Elliot in the morning? And they're like, yeah, it's Elliot. I'm like, I hate it when somebody's voice does not match my thoughts. Well, I, I, it's a different thing for me. It, was, it wasn't Broadcaster. It was Jimmy Buffett. Because when I first heard him, okay, it was like in the 90s. And my picture of him is exactly what he looks like now. But then you go, but we're listening to the songs that he did back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So the original stuff, Margaritaville and all those other, you know, like, I'm thinking of the guy that we know now because, like, and I finally saw a picture of him, you know, from back then. I go, he looks <laughs> nothing like I imagined. Nope. <laughs> like, and then I see, a, like, I think my parents had a live album of his, and it was, you know, from the '90s. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's the exactly who I picture when I hear these songs. Yep. And I'm like, no. Then I go see who the guy, what he looked like in the '70s. I go, same dude, really? Like <laughs> uh, albums, album covers. I think my the yeah, feeding frenzy. I think uh, that was the one. Yeah, that's was, the one uh, where he's yeah, the live album. Standing, yeah, the, the live the, album. The, the front album is yeah, the album cover is him. Him, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I pictured even before I'd ever seen a picture of the man. That that's what I pictured he looked like. Ah, nice. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So I see that. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And I go see the. Uh, I think they got the greatest hits album or whatever, and they had a bunch of album pictures or whatever in there of like of you know some of the album covers he did in the '70s had his picture of, at the time, and I'm sitting here going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's the same dude, really. 
I'm trying to pull up those two pictures real quick. It sounds like I find one that doesn't side by side. It's like yeah, because Jimmy Buffett here. now he hasn't he hasn't changed his appearance in like 30 years. He's still no, he really the same. He's a little yeah. old, but you know. Uh, I found one, but they're all tiny. So fuck it. Eh. Fuck it. Yeah, long hair with a mustache and all that stuff, and like then you go look at Jimmy Buffett now, and it's like oh yeah, it's. He looks completely different than he did in the seventies. Like he didn't like not oh you know he aged a lot. I was like no he just changed his look completely. So here's what yeah we knew right he's that's the Jimmy Buffett that I've known my whole life right and this you know obviously he's playing fins. Um, <laughs> oh God yeah I didn't notice the crowd yeah <laughs> <laughs> playing fins right Song now allegedly inspired by Riddle students by absolutely. The way. Absolutely, I think he did actually confirm at one point. Yeah, I've got to find that somewhere because it's as far as I know, it's an urban legend. I don't, I've never seen the interview where he confirms it. I'd have to go digging, have to go digging around on that one. Yeah, that but was the story done. certainly fits. Yeah, absolutely. So there he is, right? You know, and this was obviously twenty three years ago, right? So he's just three years ago. <laughs> uh, this is like night, like early nineties. This is nineteen ninety. Yeah. So. 33 years ago, yeah. Jesus Christ. Ay, Dios mío. We were anyway. five at the time. Right. Yeah. Ah, Christ. Anyway, so this was 33 years ago. All of the differences with him is he now has a beard, um, but really he oh, just he beard now. Okay. looks older, and that's pretty yeah. much it. I mean, he's probably, what, in his 40s here? Yeah, and, thereabouts. Yeah, so this is what... When you That's saw it, the, yeah. you were like, what the blue fuck? How is that the same dude? <laughs> who, who is this man, and what did he do with Jimmy Buffett? How is that the same dude? <laughs> <laughs> it fucks you up. You're just like... So, reason that I bring this up is Captain Joe, who I follow on Facebook, or I follow on YouTube, gets to meet Kennedy Steve you know, mm-hmm. several years ago. And, you know, he might actually fly for KLM because he's sitting in front of a KLM A380 right here. It makes sense. He might have done this while he was on a layover or something in New York. At JFK, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so I mean, it, it makes sense they would have flown into JFK, possibly Newark, but uh, JFK makes a little more sense. It does. All right. So There's a lot of international traffic in Newark, though. <laughs> let's, let's listen to this real quick or watch this. Friends and followers, welcome back to my channel and lovely greetings from New York's JFK Airport. I flew in today for one specific reason only. I got the great opportunity to probably interview the most famous air traffic controller out there, Kennedy Steve. <laughs> so a couple of weeks back, I uploaded... All right, so we'll skip forward. I'd like to go yeah, that was a Korean air. Your yep. Oh, yeah. And let's get started. I'd like to go outside of the aircraft and close it if that's possible. Uh, I don't. <laughs> uh, all right, you know what? You can make a left hand turn at the next taxiway, hold short of the runway, and whatever you need to do, you can do. All right, we're now uh, at Kennedy Steve's office, and uh, as you guys have sent in the questions, I'll be now asking all these questions to Kennedy Steve. And uh, we'll start with the first one. How and where did you start your career as an ATC controller? So I started in the early 90s, 1994. So it fucks me up. He doesn't, like, the microphone makes him sound completely different. Yeah, when you've got a, whatever the microphone they were using for this interview, and I imagine that Joe probably didn't bring a nice setup like <laughs> what we've got for this. Right, and, you know, and absolutely, yeah. but, you know, the the microphone, like, especially... 
like we talk about, these are condensers, right? So we don't get yeah. the proximity effect we were talking about last week, right? Linger longer. Yep. Um, but, you know, most of the time in those, I think he's wearing one on his uh, lapel here. And, oh, the lavalier. Yeah, the little lavalier. And they're, they're condensers as well. So you don't get yeah. the proximity. The microphones that they use in their headsets or whatever they're using, you know, like even if they're just using the desk boom or something like that, they're, they're dynamic microphones. They do oh, yeah. have tons of change difference between you know. uh literally just how you wear the thing exactly the headsets that i wear when i'm flying same story how close you have it to your mouth if you're not eating the microphone <laughs> it sounds completely you sound like you're on the other side of the room exactly so you know uh i, I, I was like he fit his face fit what i was ex- imagining kennedy steve looked like but his voice, like his regular voice, not on, you know, aviation channels on the radio, was so drastic that it fucked me up. <laughs> that same like, dude? I was like, that's not Kennedy Steve. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and uh, I spent my first four years at Teterboro Airport in northern New Jersey. Okay. Uh, and came to Kennedy in 1994. <laughs> Did you do all the positions, meaning as an air traffic controller, you did ground, delivery, and tower? Yeah, so all controllers in the United States um, work every position in the facility where they're assigned, if it's an ATC tower. If you go into a center environment, you would, in order to be certified and fully able to work. I've been in that building before. Hmm. It's a cool place. I I I need to go to Fort Worth Center sometime around here to see if I can get a tour of that. I mean, you should be able to with credentials. <laughs> I, yeah, I just got to figure it out. Actually, what I really want to do is actually go up into the tower over at DFW. We got three of them. Damn. There are literally three freaking control towers in DFW. Fuck, man. There's the old one in the middle, right in the middle of the terminals that I think, I'm not sure if they still use it or if they transitioned it to being something else. And then we got two separate ones out on the out, on the far sides of each, on the outboard of the runways. So, <laughs> so uh, the FAA... Um, ATC, you know, the ARTC uh, in it's in it's in Leesburg, right at the corner of Route the 7. Air Route Traffic Control Center, folks. This is the folk. These are the guys who handle the planes that are far from airports and up high. This is also, for a fun fact, the place where the command went from on 9-11 to ground every Ooh. aircraft in the United States and Ooh. every international aircraft on the way to the United States, mm. where most of them went to Newfoundland. But anyway, um, yeah, so it was that building right there. And they got a big-ass floor, man. Like, imagine, how do I put this? I, I can't even associate it with anything like, okay, Houston Center for uh, uh, NASA's. NASA's Houston. Mm, a mission control. Mission yeah. control in Houston. Think of a room that size, and that's like their main concourse area. They got yeah. little specialty places, but there are so many fucking controllers in that room. <laughs> Washington insane. Center handles a hell of a lot of traffic because it sprawls. Yes. It's a huge stretch of the East Coast that they cover. South of them is Atlanta Center, and then north of them is New York Center. And it gets up to Boston Center. And honestly, I don't know if I've ever actually talked to Atlanta Center. I always go direct from Washington to Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, okay. So Jack Center. Because they don't have everybody working on 
on uh, on flight sim. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So, because uh, yeah. yeah, those, those are professional controllers taking time out of their day to go do that, you know, for just like you know, for people who are pilots and enthusiasts who are you know involved in that as well. Exactly, and it's awesome. Okay, so there's like there's a paid service, and then there's just the regular one uh, that everybody loves to get on, and that's where you actually get the real the real like real life controllers. You know, the other people get paid or whatever, but most of them are like students. Right, they're trying to yeah. learn before they go to you know a place like Riddle or something like that, right? Uh, which you don't need to do. You need to go to like just get a communications degree from your local college. Yeah, you don't have to go to every Riddle for to be ATC. Anyway, yeah. if you want to go to Riddle, it's like oh yeah, that's because you kind of want to overpay for <laughs> <laughs> exactly like, uh, again yeah. <laughs> linger longer like we were talking about you know linger yeah. longer. Uh, <laughs> so. As again, as I'm wearing my shirt again, yeah, <laughs> I just realized it's yeah. a, over a hundred thousand dollars shirt. shirt. <laughs> that shirt cost over a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> no, you didn't have to be a student to go to the bookstore, but it's like still. this is true. This is true, man. <laughs> no, the, I got the piece of paper I got hanging on the wall in the other room. That some bitch is a six figure piece of paper. I went when I first, like the first day, right? I literally went from Cavalier car and my parents' Malibu all the stuff and moved into my dorm room on the third floor east wing of Doolittle, right and then we immediately went like didn't even tour the campus we went to the uc we stopped at the the bookstore before you enter the uc right <laughs> and we like cleaned fucking house my mom was grabbing like everything dad's just walking around i'm like paying attention to like getting my headset there you go. This was my dad's hat. He wore this every time he came to see me. We went to NASCAR races and everything else that we did. He would always show up wearing this. Nice. And it has now become mine. Nice. But yeah, that was <laughs> that hat's all about as old as this shirt. Now that I think about it. Nice. Uh, I think. I, I mean, when we got in there, I was more concerned about getting my uh my uh what you call it um get your books get your books, headset all the stuff the flight bag charts, all the stuff you're gonna need yeah. my flight bag i still have all of that stuff my charts and everything like that and of course my david clark's yep the clamps the clamps <laughs> yeah uh folks spend six or seven legs flying turboprops and stuff with that on your head all day long you're gonna learn to hate that headset you really you're gonna learn to wish you'd spent a little more money on something that's not so damn uncomfortable they do the job but ooh. but you know and and back then a matter of fact i don't even have my dcs anymore i have something else um they're all black because uh you know that's what she said hang on I, it's in the closet behind me stand by okay so as ron goes and digs out his headset i did with david clark's for the first five years of my airline career and all through my flight training in riddle but as i got to the uh jet I decided, all right, it's time to finally upgrade. And I started going flying the 145, and you really can't take your headset off at cruise altitude in that thing because the wind noise around the front windows is brutal on that airplane. <laughs> so I went out and bought a nice Bose noise-canceling headset, and I did the cheap route. I did the Bose QC-15s with the Ufly mic, 
boom mic that you can plug in, as opposed to the thousand dollar A twenties that everybody else was buying. I looked every time I'd fly with somebody who had a pair of A twenties. I'm like, wow, dude, how's that extra four hundred bucks treating you? <laughs> you know <laughs> what? Five hundred bucks, however much they ended up spending on them. The extra these days, over what my rig cost. These days, man, I would totally get those. Um, what you call it? Ones. Uh, the the. Who makes them? The bows, the ones that are just like these, mm-hmm. the inners with the little um, dick. Oh, uh, the Clarity Aloft. Yeah, it's got like a kind of U-shaped yes. like thing. They kind of clamp, and then it has the earplugs. Yeah. Yes. All right. I've so flown, these yeah, are. I've, I've flown with a few guys who had those. They said they, they really like them. These are Softcoms, Softcom okay. Chancellors. My Dave, uh, my Daves, they died like oh. real fast. And I don't know why I didn't mishandle them. As you can see, they're all taken Mine care of. Mine still work, and I've had them for almost 20 years. <laughs> These were my second I think the last ones. time I used them was about eight years ago, eight and a half years ago. <laughs> I still even have the covers on them. Mm. Oh, yeah. I had, yeah, I had to replace the uh, the gel thing that you're surrounded, that your pads a few yeah. times on mine. Because, yeah, eventually, okay, after wearing them seven, eight hours a day for, <laughs> yeah. you know, years and years, eventually those pads, uh, those pads will get a hole in them. And there's a little, there's gel inside of them. And it's like really thick KY. It leaks out and ends up like <laughs> your freaking around your ears and in your hair after you take these suckers off. And it's like, what the fuck? Why is my ear I was lubed? Like, what, what, why, why the hell is my head gooey? I'm like, oh, there's a hole in my headset. <laughs> and your uh, your your pilot or your FO is just sitting there, just giggling at you. <laughs> I'm just like, what the? F-? <laughs> I was still an FO when I finally ditched the Clarks. All right, so uh, those are back together now. But yeah, the the microphone on this one sounded better. The headphones sounded better. The cables made better. It's just better. But they are still clamps. Yeah, it's they it's they, they they tightly clamp to your head, and that is how they seal the sound out and insulate the sound of the engines and everything else going on around you, so you can hear what the heck the radio and the intercom are saying. I still have, as opposed to active noise canceling, which is the, definitely the way to go. I think I still have mine too. I I dug through my my flight bag. The foam on the inside of everything started powderizing. So literally, I dug through all my stuff, and I literally just had to take the vacuum cleaner out and get all this black dust oh, off of everything. Gross. And like, it was weird, dude. It's like, because it's the foam just started disintegrating, and it just started scratching off from all the crap in there. And literally, like, black coal gust or, like, carbon dust or shit all over everything inside that bag. I threw the bag away because there was, like, no point. But I held on to all the riddle uh, stuff. I got them in a box over, uh, probably stashed in the closet somewhere. So... Uh, I guess to start, you had to get a third class and a second class. Uh, you medical. had a minimum of a third class in order to exercise private pilot privileges. You got to have a third class. So if you're going to get a commercial. You got to have a second class. So I got both before I went down. Um, these were done in July, July 31st. Ah, uh, the old Brown ticket, which is yep. your student pilot certificate. <laughs> the Brown medical certificate, folks. That's how they, I don't know if they still do it that way. Cause it was 20 years ago. But when you you don't have your private pilot's license yet, you're going to start flight training. You go and get a medical exam, and your first, second, or third class, depending on how thorough they want to be and everything they check out. First class being the highest level, which is what we airline pilots have to do. But in order to just be a private pilot, all you needed was a third class. So the privileges of that are good for three years, and then you have to go get another physical. 
Now, when you're first starting flight training, that medical certificate is your student pilot certificate. Mm -hmm. It's your learner's permit, effectively. Right. And once you've finished all the training required, you've passed the check ride, fill out all the paperwork and everything, they actually will give you your real private pilot's license. And then commercial, ATP, et cetera, airline transport pilot for those who <laughs> for those playing the home game. <laughs> for those of you like, playing at home. For those of you playing at home. So yeah. I just noticed, uh, by the way, I got my medical before I went down, obviously. I did it up here mm -hmm. uh, July 31st of 2003. Uh, at the time, I weighed 258 pounds. Mm -hmm. So at this point, now that I've lost 100, I only weigh 50 pounds more than I did. No, yeah, a little you're less chasing than back to that. Yeah, you're chasing back. Yeah, going back down to, to yeah. high, you know, high school senior level. However, on my third class certificate, same, uh, uh, same doctor, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> same doctor, same day them literally sitting side by side and these are typed not handwritten mm -hmm. aside from his signature and mine yep. they fucked up my middle name on my my third class one is perfect my middle name is steven with the ph and my suffix is on there on my second class though it's s-t-e-v and no suffix Done on the same day in the same office. Cards literally sitting side by side. And wow. Dingus over here wrote it for my father, basically. <laughs> wow. I never noticed that. I was today years old when I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, today years old, 20 years later, just about. And my bag's a Jepson. Yep. I think I had a Jep. I had a Jep or an ASA. Fuck. I don't know. I threw away the bag. <laughs> No, you gotta keep it. <laughs> no, dude, bag, I just told you the bag's falling apart. This is true. This is true. <laughs> the bitch was shedding all over everything inside it. So I'm like, literally, I cleaned off all the stuff. And it's like, okay, it's easy. Just get the vacuum cleaner out and get rid of the dust. So I go put everything back in the bag. I'm gonna have to do that again whenever I pull that next time I pull this stuff out. Seriously, though, I would, uh, all I would do is find a, a microphone, essentially, that you can plug headphones in. Because yeah. I would wear these. I'd wear my in-ear monitors because these block out like 26 or 27 decibels. They are custom molded to my head. And they, you can, after about an hour, you don't even know they're there. So what you kind of need is, okay, like my Ufly mic setup, but like just a headset version of the Ufly mic, because it's got an auxiliary jack in there you can plug an extra set of headphones in. Perfect. Just like what you're talking about. So we need to see if they have some kind of setup like that. Where you take the Ufly mic boom mic, and instead of plugging it into a set of headphones like this, you have it on a headphone hanger, and then it's got its little aux jack, and you plug your headphones into that like you're talking about. And it's like, okay, so you kind of would look like an Apollo uh, mission controller. Yeah, yeah. Be like the same one <laughs> that they Apollo used. Apollo 13, look at the headsets they're yes. wearing in the spaceship and, on, and down at mission control. That's more or less what Ron's talking about here. And they still use one's newer versions, obviously, today. You have to wear a headset for hours at a time. Find something that's comfortable. Right. That sounds good. It's like, obviously, they're 50 some years newer on the microphone and headphone quality. But but, but they're still using the same radio. <laughs> so the approach works. We're still using that S-band radio. Don't fuck it up. Don't break it if it ain't broke. If it'll get to the moon and it's back. It's fine. It's good enough. It's good enough. 
you ain't leaving Earth orbit, it'll do. Ladies and gentlemen, just FYI. Just FYI. Did you have a TI-83 when you were in, in school? Yes, I had an 83+. plus. The TI-83 plus is a calculator. Mm-hmm. Runs applications. Go yes, we used video them as Game games. Boys. Yes. We had Tetris and golf and all kinds of fun shit. They're orders of magnitude more powerful than the computers that took man to the moon. Yeah. All of them combined. In your average person's pocket, your typical smartphone nowadays, all of Mission Control put together... Plus every single Apollo spacecraft ever built, and every Mercury, and every Gemini, and every space shuttle, put them all together, and you're still nowhere near it. Not even remotely close. Not even remotely close. And then put the Whopper from frickin' War Games in there, (laughs) and you're still nowhere near what the average person has in their frickin' pocket. Yes. Just to give you some idea of how advanced computing technology has gotten in all the decades that they've been doing it and people are like kind of mind-blowing how did we send one just now you know like in in what just a couple of months ago how did we send you know a a, a spacecraft to the moon but like bro we had the technology to do it since the 60s we just decided it wasn't worth the money to keep going back it's like hey we beat the russians they never got there at all nobody else has gotten there at all to put a man on the moon at least not that um, anybody lived to tell about. Yeah. Because who the hell knows how many people other space programs have killed that they never acknowledged publicly to the world. I don't know. That fucking radio transmission with that that female's voice when she starts screaming and shit. Have you heard that one? No. They're pretty sure that she was Russian. Uh, how long ago was this? Like 60s? Very eerie. The pilot. Uh, where is it? The mysterious lost cosmonaut. Where's the audio? Fuck you. Here we go. Please have it available and not just a bunch of fucking advertisements. Here we go. I'm gonna, uh, here we go. Uh, basically saying that uh, the reentry had to be postponed. Something went wrong during the flight. Um, during re-entry, they say that is when um, it, it, she died. Burned it, burned up. Burned up. When, when was this? Did they say? Um, yes. Uh, May 16th, 1961. Okay, so like two weeks, or barely a week after Shepard's flight. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So she's right here. She's complaining about. So this is what, like a month or so after Gagarin, because he was April of 61. Correct. Correct. They try to send the first female into space first. That quickly after the first man in space ever. Yes. So we're talking a month after the very first person ever leaves the, the, US, the atmosphere of the Earth. 
goes one orbit. Gagarin did one orbit and then came down. Huh. And she ran out of, apparently she ran out of, was running out of oxygen, so they couldn't prolong. Couldn't keep her up much longer because the Vostok spacecraft was basically a satellite with just enough life support in it to keep you alive for two hours. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So right, right here, she is complaining about the increasing temperature. And as flames start to engulf the capsule, she starts freaking out a little bit. When the flames start, that's re-entry, and that's the ionization blackout. They should lose contact on radio anyway. So, um, three days later, on uh, so this was on the 23rd, so on the 26th, three days later, TASS, which is the Soviet press agency, uh, announced the return to Earth of the tw- uh, on the 23rd of a large unmanned satellite which burnt up on re-entering the atmosphere. The satellite was the size of a city bus. Its launch had not been previously disclosed, and its purpose was unknown to this day government of russia denies the stories of lost cosmonauts including the unknown woman in the recording hmm and obviously it was you know it was translated so people knew what she was saying what was being said you know uh, she was giving out radio calls that you know she was obviously flying in fucking space you know and doing re-entry and then she starts complaining about how hot it is and then she starts crying basically and then they say oh yeah this this thing burnt up on that same day but it was just Sally. It's cool. It, yeah, it's it's just a coincidence. Unfucking believable. So yeah, folks. Um, nobody else ever made it to the moon that we know of. Because maybe the Soviets tried to launch a mission to the moon and they failed. Because we all know that people. they built a few of their version of the Saturn V, and I don't think any of them successfully made it to orbit. They all kept blowing up. Exactly. And they were in a big race with us. It was sort of, I think it was fall of 68 when we our satellite spotted the first one being assembled in Kazakhstan. And we were like, okay, they're trying to catch up to us. We need to go. And that's what, that's what prompted the Apollo 8 mission. It's like, okay, we've now circled the moon. We've gone to lunar orbit. We did 10 laps and we came home. We've now done way freaking more than the Russians have done. And guess what? Now... Four months later, the LEM is ready to fly for the first time. We take it up on Apollo 9. We take it to low Earth orbit, do a quick test ride, do all the undock, do a whole bunch of different maneuvers and all sorts of stuff. Then we take Apollo 10, where they take the LEM all the way down to 50,000 feet above the moon's surface. Dude, can take you the imagine all the way to the moon, take the lunar orbit, they do almost all of the landing, and at 50,000 feet, they nope out of it and come back to orbit and dock. Then July 1969, Apollo 11, we land. Yes. Uh, can you imagine being Cernan or Stafford or John Young and being in 10 and literally floating across with all of the hardware that you would need to land on it? Well, I, I think Cernan was, I think he was the limb pilot on that one. And he's sitting, he's, he's right seat in the limb. And he's like, we're down to 50,000 feet. He's like, dude, Tom, can we just take the sucker down, please? What are they going to do? Can we? Can we? Are they, they going to fire us? What are they going to do? <laughs> 
250,000 miles from the planet. Fuck them. 50,000 feet down. I was like, oh, we got a problem. We got to take it down. Up, yeah. up, up, oh, up. no. Yep, uh, yep. Uh, Houston, we've landed. <laughs> That's one stall step for fuck you. <laughs> we don't. Did we bring the suits to take it outside? I think we did. I'm pretty sure we did. We had to because it's got to be, you know, the weight has got to be the same. Come on. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's the other thing is I think it was also a thing in order to undock. They, I think it was on nine. They actually had to test the backpacks. Right. They actually did an EVA while they were docked together in Earth orbit and tested the backpacks that they'd have to wear for the moonwalk. Back, it's like, okay, back, so they had to do all that. So I'm like, I'm presuming that – and also it's a good emergency supply. I mean, it's like even before 13, they were thinking contingency stuff. Right. They thought about a lot more contingency stuff after 13. Uh, most certainly. And they realized, oh, shit, uh, why are the fucking CO2 scrubbers different? Right. <laughs> it's like – Tell me this isn't a government how operation. Do, like, yeah, how, how do they? Over, I know it was two different companies making the things, right? But they knew the docking ring had to, the docking setup had to be correct for both ships. I like how you they knew the, the compete. Yeah. <laughs> you you got your yeah, hands up and then you thought about you're like oh, never mind. <laughs> when you feel that thing, everything sliding and clicking, <laughs> it's like no other feeling in the world. That's why uh, most astronauts drove Corvettes, folks. Yeah, you know it. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Speaking. Although that was the fun part is, oh yeah, so Neil and Buzz, both Corvette men. Michael Collins, the guy who didn't get to walk on the moon on Apollo 11, drove a VW Beetle. <laughs> when he could have had a Corvette for a dollar a year. Right. Nah. Nah, fuck it. <laughs> nah, fuck it. John Glenn, the guy who only flew in space once until he agreed to not impeach Bill Clinton in the Senate in the 90s, only flew in space once. What did he drive? An NSU Prince, which is like the Beatles' silly little cousin, like, uh... What's Kyle uh, from South Park's little cousin? Oh, Ike. That guy. Ike. <laughs> that. It's like his Kyle's little brother. A BW Beetle, and his cousin is the NSU Prince. Nice. Somehow even lamer than a Beetle. Oh. That guy went in space once for the next oh. 35 years. You were talking about not Ike's brother, yeah, his cousin. Um, not Ike. No, his cousin. The, the, um, stereoty- the walking stereotype. The stereotype. Stereotype. Uh, I can't remember his name. Fuck it. Yes. What's his damn? Yeah, I don't. I think his name might have been Kyle too. For all I know, I don't. It was. It was because they started calling him Kyle too. They started calling. Yes, but but yeah, the regular Kyle. Kyle too. W Beetle. The other Kyle is the NSU Prince. There you go. There you go. That's what John Glenn drove, and we're like everybody else had Corvettes, and three of the guys were racing them. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) dude. (laughs) So speaking of NASA and such, um, this week. Like this this Dang. week these these two weeks yesterday and today are the anniversaries. It is weird how they were almost the same day of the year. And then Columbia was February first. Yeah. So this week, the last week yeah, of February, or last week sucks. of January, first week of February is cursed in terms of NASA. Correct. Like if if my Apollo mission, one Challenger and Columbia. If my mission was anywhere in the end of January, like the last week of January, the first week of February, I would say no. It's no. like if your flight number has if you're if you're on an airliner and the flight number is one ninety one. Yeah, no. Don't. Nope. Skip. That number's <laughs> cursed, and I can prove it. Mulligan. <laughs> like, nope, nope. I'll take the next one. <laughs> so I'm gonna read verbatim what I posted today. Um, it was uh, about uh, a Challenger today. Obviously, uh, at about eleven thirty today was the anniversary. Uh, of the Challenger disaster yesterday was uh, for Apollo 1 where Apollo 1 was in a static test 
on the pad at uh, Kennedy Space Center in a full 100% oxygen-rich environment. There was a spark behind the main control panel, which caused a fire, which killed all three of the Apollo 1 astronauts. The following day, many years later, obviously, in 1986. 21 years in one day. I was 11 months old, and I talk about that during this. All right, so, Challenger disaster. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them. This morning, as they prepared for their journey, and waved goodbye, and slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. That was the words of another great Ron, President Ronald Reagan. That was his uh, Oval Office address about uh, after uh, after they passed. Uh, Thirty-seven years ago today, about an hour from now, when I meant when I posted it ten hours ago, the Space Shuttle Challenger mission STS-51L launched from Pad 39B at Kennedy Space Center. Due to the weather conditions, the O and the weather conditions being extreme freezing temperatures in Florida, which is a very yeah. atypical, but it does happen. It actually all night long was fro. It was freezing cold, and they, in order to stop the pipes <sighs> bursting, they turned the sprinklers on for the whole freaking launch gantry. The whole thing the was covered in icicles. You get to see those pictures when they first get there back in the morning with all the icicles hanging off, and you're yeah. just looking at it going. This didn't give any of you motherfuckers pause. At no point did anybody say, nope, let's not do this, please. If I was the pad leader, I would have walked out and said, oh, look, a big pile of no. Gunther Vent would have said nine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I won the Gunther Vent. <laughs> so anyway, the O-ring seals, uh, the, the, there's joints in the solid rocket boosters and in between solid those joints. Solid rocket boosters are basically a series of pipes. And Correct. each segment of pipe is joined together and it's sealed with rubber O-rings yes. around the perimeter of it to contain all the exhaust gases of the burning rocket inside. And there's actually two of them in each one of mm-hmm. those. Um, and they, they're kind of like an overlapping, like if you took uh, uh, the cap of like a, a, a cup, right? You put mm-hmm. the cap on, the outside is slightly bigger. Uh, 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 you know, the inside diameter is slightly bigger than the outside diameter of the cup. So it slides on. Correct. Like the li- Yeah, you can kind of see it right where my nose is. Yes. Effectively, we've got. Yeah. And there you go. So weird thing. Yeah. Yes. So the uh, two O-rings in there, if one fails, the other one is like its last possible gasp to keep the gases from exiting the, that joint in the solid rocket booster. Well, because it was so cold, rubber in cold becomes hard and brittle. It doesn't give very well. The flexibility required for containment wasn't there yeah and that's the whole point of a rubber o-ring is to give a little just to make like when they're gonna move those that rubber kind of fills the gap and moves along with it and when it's hard and brittle it doesn't and things move around it like it's just tapping on it and it's no bueno because that leaves an opening where gases go hi-ya and out <laughs> so, and folks, if you've ever seen a space shuttle launch, we're talking about the big fire that you can see leaving a big smoke trail. Yeah. These things are designed to contain that inside the big white tube along each side of the orange tank. If that gets out, bad things happen. 
So the O-ring seals in the solid rocket boosters, or SRBs, failed, causing extremely hot gases to escape the joints and focusing, unfortunately, like it's a 360-degree ring, and unfortunately, where the blast was going was... The worst possible place for it to be escaping. Right. I mean, right it was onto like... onto the freaking attachment point sucks. where it hooks onto the freaking tank. So, like, we've got the bottom and the top. we got the places where it attaches. The bottom part, that was where the fire was escaping out past the seal, and it was directed right onto that thing, right onto the connector. So, I will, let's show a picture right quick, so everybody knows what the inning and the score is here. Look this. Dude, I can get a better quality photo than that. Jesus, Mary, Joseph. There we go. That looks beautiful. It's Discovery. Yay. Browser. Boom. Okay. This is a solid rocket booster, this white boy right here. Okay. Each one of these black lines here, these are in that black line, the white line, these many black lines down here, these are the, the basically the connector points yeah. between That's different That's where sections. the O-rings pretty much were for each segment. And it was that one right there. Yep. And this big orange thing is a liquid propulsion tank with liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen inside of it. These are solid rocket boosters. Big liquid tank. The liquid tank fuels the engines <laughs> on the space shuttle for those playing just, at home. Just those three right there. Yeah, the three engines at the back. And it looked, And if you notice, if, if you zoom down, look at the exhaust. Look at how much less visible the exhaust on the main engines is versus the boosters. Correct. If, Solid you, if we had a different angle, like directly from the side, you can see, oh, yeah, you can kind of see they stretch way out. It's not just those three little white cones. No, they stretch way out, but it's almost clear. Right. So compared to the orange-white exhaust coming out of the boosters, it's <laughs> barely a fart in terms of <laughs> comparison yes. here. It doesn't make pretty much any dust at all, sort of like the, the kerosene uh, launches of the Apollo missions. Yeah, it they doesn't. Yeah, really the, the liquid much. engines leave very little exhaust, little visible exhaust at all. Exactly. So these solid rocket boosters. All right. So this big tank right here is filled with a biblical fuck ton of a metric fuck ton. Literally a metric <laughs> fuck ton <laughs> of uh, of liquid propellant. Right, liquid hydrogen, liquid oxygen, oxidizer. Right. Boom. Yep. Well. This joint here and its O-rings that seal it were uh, 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 compromised. It had all of this area, like obviously pointing towards the wing of the space shuttle yeah. would have been bad. That would have been bad, too. They wouldn't have found that out until they tried to come down. Exactly, and it would have been like Columbia. Yep. But from there, pretty much all the way around, about 200 to 260 degrees if it had failed in that direction at all, of 260 degrees the opposite direction, then it might have been okay. They would have had loss yeah. of thrust, and they would have been able to, to calculate it for it, or at the very least, been able to dip the fuck out. Yeah, the interesting thing with all the different aborts that they could do, they all require the SRBs to be burned out first. The SRBs do not have an off switch. Right. Once you light those off, they go until they burn out, or they blow up. Well, and, and you do have the capability to remote detonate them with the range safety yes, officer. which they did. But you can't yeah. do the explosive bolts. 
Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, you can't jettison them. I, be, I don't Correct. believe until they're off. Correct. Until they're burned out. Correct. So once those things light, you're on a two minute one way ticket. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unfortunately. And if something goes wrong with those things, you are at the mercy of God at that point. You better hope Correct. that if something goes wrong, it's not bad enough to result in what happened. Yeah, you, you, you're going to have to get right with Jesus on this yeah. real quick. All right. So back to this real quick. I'm going to zoom in a little bit here. All right. So it failed on the backside facing the tank. Okay. And it was literally burning a hole into the tank. So when it eventually burst the tank, right, and it got to the hydrogen in here, that now, it, first of all, like if just adding fire to hydrogen is actually not going to cause it to go boom. What it did is it punctured the tank. The tank that's in there, which is most of this, shot up and into the liquid oxygen or the uh, the the liquid uh, oxygen yeah. tank that was up here. And once those two ruptured together, all combined together, it's oh, it is now we've bomb. we're detonating all of that fuel instantly. Yes, and then also combine that with the RCS. Uh, fuel inside uh, the nose and underneath the wings and up here dude there was so much boom in this stick that yeah dude the thing is yeah the the main tank blew and it separated the shuttle but they were just past Mach 1 their last throttle call their last radio call was challenger go at throttle up so when the shuttle launches for the first minute or so it's getting up to Mach 1 and as it's going through Mach 1, they get a whole lot of dynamic pressure on the shuttle. It's called it, Max-Q. Max-Q. And it's the maximum dynamic pressure that they get. It's aerodynamic pressure from the shock wave of going through the speed of sound. Pushes. So to counteract that, they actually take the main engines and throttle them all the way back to idle, effectively. Until they get through Mach 1, Max-Q has been passed. The pressure starts dropping once you pass Mach 1. And now you can run the main engines back up to full throttle. And that was their last call. Challenger go at throttle up. Standard call. Normal procedure for every shuttle launch they did before and since. Scoby said, go at throttle up. Challenger go at throttle up. Roger, go at throttle up. And, and that was like, their last call. Like seven seconds later. as they were passing through, as just after they passed through Mach 1 was when this happened. Yep. They were 1.91. Yeah. And at 73 seconds after launch... The last thing that they actually heard, and I don't know if they ever actually released the audio, um, was uh -oh. him saying, uh-oh, was uh, Commander Dick Scobie saying, uh-oh. Yeah. As somebody realized something was wrong right before all the signal to the black box was lost. And they, they do have a black box on the space shuttle, and they did find it in the wreckage. Yep. And they listened to all, this, all the, the voice traffic from all seven crew members including the air-to-ground circuit that they were talking to, you know, mission control after they cleared the tower. And, yeah, yep. as they barely they didn't have time to say, oh, shit. Right. Uh-oh. It, it went from fine to fucked. In, in and there was literally nothing they could have done. Less than a second. Yeah. You know, obviously the uh -oh. burning had started as soon as the SRBs were lit back on the ground yeah. 73 seconds peer, you know, prior to this. It took seven. Actually, seconds. I think a little puff of black smoke that yep. you can see in one of the videos from one of the camera angles they had yep. at that exact spot on the SRB. A little puff of black smoke that pops out right as they lift off. Now, also those, like we were saying, all right. So, tube 
tube, slide tube over top of other tube, and they're joined together. The O-rings sit in that section between tube sitting over top of other tube, right? The two points of the launch, when they will do their most flexing, and I don't even, you know, there's no quotes on that. I mean, they literally yeah, flex. Yeah, they do flex. Is at launch, because the launch, the, the, the thing is, it's very violent, right? So, yeah. obviously, they're going to wiggle when they go boom, right? So, they go wiggle boom, and that's when you see that puff. And then it goes away for a while, yep. okay, until they reach max Q. Mm-hmm. And then the pressure, again, is causing things to shift and to compress and to expand in other places, and that's why you get like then that's when you see the, the like flame fire starts flame to come out of the side of the booster, and you can literally see it torching the side of the 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 tank. So, boom, smash, boom, big boom, lots more booms, and then you see in one of the photos the actual crew cab basically severed from the 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 bay forward including the nose and everything yep yeet itself from the whole thing and went by itself by its lonesome it's now a ballistic object right and the crazy thing is is that because it's a pressure vessel right it's it's sealed up like a summer bitch right and i probably gave it its its capabilities to jettison from all of this intact so their concern was that they were probably all still alive, still alive during the plummet until they hit the water, until they now, hit the Atlantic the Ocean. Massive shift in G forces during the explosion. All seven of them were most likely unconscious the whole way down. Right now, they do say that there was like evidence that they were trying to get out so that they could you know jump out. Try to jump, yeah. I was like, they didn't have. Did they have shoots on? I was like. I don't think so. I don't they were, think they, they had weren't the running pole. full pressure suits for those no, missions. They, they had were the in blue blues. suits and they had the oxygen helmet. Yep. But it wasn't the full orange pressure suit like you usually see for shuttle launches. They'd done something different at that point in the program. Yeah, they said that Resnick yeah. and um the guy from Hawaii. Um on a on Azuka. Yeah, on Azuka. Um they had done something in their their with their suits to activate the supplemental oxygen or something like that in order, you know, like after the explosion. Like if the oxygen that the shuttle is giving them goes bales, boom, right? Yeah. They did like, okay, something sh- at some point. Personal oxygen. They did okay. something at some point as part of the procedure to save themselves. Probably at, well, I mean, obviously they wouldn't just go and start doing emergency procedures if they're just, you know, going along for the two and a half minute ride. But that shows obviously that that they were able yeah. to do something after the explosion and that 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 hurts even more i think there really wasn't a system in place you know the first time they launched the space shuttle the first couple of flights to columbia there were only two crew members and right. they actually had honest to god ejection seats yes like a fighter plane has built into the shuttle after those test flights they got rid of those because they were too heavy too heavy and it was only two of them because they didn't have the two people in the back upstairs and the three people riding in the lower deck didn't have any other way to do it. So, OK, they said, all right, no more ejection seats. And 
I'm not sure what kind of emergency egress setup they had prior to Challenger. It wasn't much. Yeah, of I don't one. know. I know. Yeah, I mean, and later they, they had the full... at a few ideas after Challenger that they put in place, but how realistic you could actually have ever used such systems. Because let's be honest, folks, if you're trying to bail out at anything close to normal space shuttle speeds inside the atmosphere, you're yeah. going to liquefy. Good luck. <laughs> you cannot skydive at Mach 5. Now, take, like, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, what was that movie called? Space Cowboys. Yes. When they were coming back, right? They, they were below Mach 1 when they finally, and low enough to finally theoretically exactly. be able to bail out. And that was, like, when they did that, I was like, y'all listen to Eastwood on that. I know y'all did. I mean, they had a couple was the, of other the NASA telescoping pole that they used. That's the system they actually developed. Does exist. I think it was after Challenger. Yes. But the idea is, okay, it's kind of like the air, like the life vests and the life rafts on an airliner. You have to be coming down under some kind of control for that to have any prayer of doing you any difference at all. And I thought it was awesome that they checked those boxes. I'm pretty like, sure right, this is now a shuttle that's been damaged. Not everything's working. We now right. have to come down and try to land this thing. Like, all right, let's get the wounded guy out of here. Let's get the other guy out of here. And the four of us, the old timers, are going to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if we're gonna die we're gonna die together we had a good time and we finally made it to space so fuck it yeah <laughs> that and uh our buddy is on his way to the moon with you know lots of nukes anyway all right so where was i at uh okay failed causing extremely hot gases to escape the joints focusing their blast on the external fuel tank the big orange thing i wrote in there because there's a picture it didn't take long, exactly 73 seconds, in fact, for the damage to become catastrophic. The tank was punctured, and the liquid fuel in the tank was ignited, causing a massive explosion. This explosion blew apart the spacecraft into millions of tiny little pieces. After there were all, a couple of big sections, including you mentioned the, the crew nose. compartment, the main engines, and a wing. In yes. That same photo you're talking about. They actually could see the three biggest pieces yep. that emerged from the fireball. And the SRBs actually survived. And that's yes, they the image. detached as a result of losing the thing they're attached to. Exactly. And they um, continued to fly off and then started arcing back towards land. And the range safety officer pressed the button to detonate them. Yes. To make sure that they did not turn into... <laughs> missiles. Missiles that wrecked somebody's house. Yes. Uh, so I said, after all was said and done, the seven astronauts, Commander Dick Scobie, Mike Smith, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Judy Resnick, Greg Jarvis, and 37-year-old, which is exactly how old we are. Oh, dude. Painful to think about. <coughs> uh, New, New Hampshire school teacher and first non-astronaut citizen taken to space, Krista McAuliffe, were lost. The tragedy did result in drastic increases in safety procedures and a major redesign of the SRBs by NASA and their manufacturer, Morton Thiokol, went underway making the newer and safer RSRM, or reusable solid rocket motor, that was used until the cancellation of the space shuttle program. Members of the astronaut corps understand the missions and the perils. They know that they're sitting on top of a million pounds of bomb. The three fatal disasters and one very near fatal disaster, obviously talking about 13, NASA had uh, has had to show that the process is not 100% safe. But the reason we keep going is for the betterment of mankind, the continued exploration, and for the hearts and loves of any of the astronauts that have soared into the history books. And then, of course, I put in this quote was, 
Why do we fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves back up. Brought to you yep. by Thomas Wayne. So, uh, in addition to that, I gave my recollection. So, I said a personal note. I was 11 months old when this happened. I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing, and what my eyes saw. I remember nothing of any other part of the day, but I remember sitting on the floor in the kitchen in front of the dishwasher playing or something, heard my mom either gasp or scream or something, and I looked up to the tiny little tube TV with rabbit ears in the corner of the kitchen counter and remember seeing the plume of smoke with the two SRBs separated continuing off into the sky. That image most people know of the disaster. That is burned into my mind for the rest of my life. And though it is said that my very first memory is this tragedy, it sparked before I was even one year old, my love for the space program. My very first research paper at school, only a few years later, was about the Challenger disaster. I knew the tech specs of that dang thing and the known problems that caused the explosion in in first grade. My love for the brave men and women who do this as a living went to a new level that day. So there I am in first grade and I know about O-rings and plumes and liquid hydrogen. I want to say I was second or third grade when I even started learning about the space shuttle. I was six months old when this happened, so definitely too young to remember any of that. Yeah. It's just, I remember, I remember it. I have it visually in my head sitting. I mean, you've been in my kitchen, obviously Mm -hmm. sitting up against at the time. It was a green (laughs) um, uh, dishwasher in that same position. And I look up when mom is like, oh my gosh. And and the amazing thing is I recognized it because she literally had the same look on her face with her mouth over her mouth, her hand over her mouth on 9-11 staring into a TV in the exact same spot. Damn. When I got home from school because my dad was in the Pentagon. Well, damn. I look up and I see it's the old ass like Zenith TV. Fucking rabbit ears. The whole nine. Big giant click, 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 you know, channel changer on the top right side. And this thing's like a little 13 inch TV. Horrible, horrible little television. But I remember seeing and it's burned in my mind that point with the plume and the two SRBs going off like that. Yep. And it was my very first memory. Damn. Crazy ass shit. Then fast forward to literally the exact same kind of situation, except for I wasn't sitting on the floor. I was attempting to use a phone that wasn't going to work to get a hold of my father, who was in the Pentagon when it got hit on 9-11. Damn. I, I still remember you. the time that we went to go see a launch. We drove down to the Cape, and you had you were able to get us actually to the visitor center, actually out on the Cape for that one. That is, I think, two. I think it is still the closest, or like second closest. I'm not second sure if closest. there was another one that I went to that was like closer. Yeah, but that I've ever been to for a launch. Yep. I've been to a few of them. The first time I ever saw one was when I was eight years old. We were actually on a cruise. Nice. The last night of the cruise, coming back into Port Canaveral, the shuttle launched at like three in the morning, and the captain had stopped the ship about he had to. I don't know thirty miles or so out from the port at three at three a.m. and everybody was topside for this. It's pitch dark outside. They went ahead and turned the lights down on the boat and everything so we can get a good nice. view. And my dad, with our digital eight little camcorder, 
that we had with us that we took on all our ski trips and everything. I'm sure mom is who's digitizing all these videos has stumbled on it or will stumble on it. But awesome. again, this is early nineties camcorders, so we're talking and it's nighttime, so that never comes out as well on video all you as it does in live. All you see is I've taken black. It, I've taken video of this nighttime night launches with many different cameras, yes. digital and otherwise, and it never comes out as well as your eyes will show it to you. Correct. But yeah, it's it's three o'clock in the morning. It was STS seventy six. One of the missions to Mir back in the nineties. Nice. And I was like, yeah, it was back then. Uh, Dad also had uh, uh, software. It was called STS Plus. And it was a tracking setup. So anytime, you know, mirror or you could find out where it is. So like, okay, nighttime, you want to go take a look at it? You know it's going to pass overhead. So you can go outside and it's like, oh, there it is. And we used to use this all the time back in the 90s. Like anytime they do, you know, a burn, anything to change their orbit or everything, okay, you have to go make sure you download the latest updated tracking data. But based on, okay, at this point in time, they should be over this spot on the globe. So if you want to spot them, you know when to go. Apparently it still exists. Last version was version 223. was released on the 10th of June, 2002. Wow. While we were still in high school. Yeah, 20 <laughs> years ago was the last time an update was released. Right after our And it was very year. much DOS graphics. Oh, yeah. Very rudimentary graphics. They, had a real, they have a really nice picture of the... Uh, the shuttle on that page though it is beautiful anyway um actually not even as good as the one that i was using for the explanation but anyway okay um what was i saying oh so fast forward to february of 03 right yeah yeah february of 03 my senior year, our senior year in high school, yep. I was at the Mid-Atlantic Erg Sprints. Um, ah, I, yes. I was in crew, and I was doing what we had, you know, the ergometers, the little rowing machines that you see at the Was this when thing. you disappointed Coach? This was when I disappointed Coach. Yeah, we talked about this one. Like, okay, this was yes. the same day. Same day, and it was shortly oh, before yeah. my race. Uh, no, okay. shortly after my race. What time was it? When Ron forgot to eat breakfast. Yes. Columbia disaster. What time? It was in the morning. Cause I, it, yeah. Well, the thing is <laughs> living in Austin, this thing had passed right over our house as it burned up. Ah, uh, yes, it was before my race. It was at eight fifty nine Eastern, uh, on, uh, February 1st. And I remember watching a few shuttle re-entries living in Texas. Yes, and you got to that hear the booms. That was neat, because as they're landing in Florida, okay, they're going west to east, and it is very visible even in daylight, but I saw one when I was on a Boy Scout camping trip at uh, up here, uh, uh, Possum Kingdom Lake, we're at Camp Constantine. Yeah, this is back when I was senior patrol leader. Holy crap, I was, <laughs> I was Scout Numero Uno in my troop at the time. Nice. <laughs> And we're sitting there. It's the end of the day. We're all chilling out in our campsite. I think it was a burn ban on us. We didn't have a campfire going. And it was just after sunset. I'm going to look off in the distance. I spot something coming over the horizon. It's like, like, what the heck is that? Is that a... Because I'd seen rockets launching, and it looked like one of those. And I'm like, why the hell would I be seeing that in North Texas? And I'm like, 
no, that's not what that is. <laughs> it's not going up. It's coming back. Yes. Hi. Like, crap. So we're sitting there like, it's a crystal clear night. And we're all like, okay, this is the coolest thing we're going to see this week. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for longer than that, Jim. In, this is maybe the coolest thing we're going to see for a while. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, it was that morning. We're at the Mid-Atlantic Experience. Uh, I think I was watching a friend of mine uh, on their um, first heat. They did well, you know, watching blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> At the end of the heat, like before the beginning of the heat, nothing was going on. Everybody was just clearing out and the new rowers were coming in, getting on the machines and stuff like that. And they stopped everything. They turned off the, the audio, the music that they were playing and everything just came to a, a screeching halt. And I think it was the, I think it was the uh, uh, um, uh, principal of the school we were at, Hammond. And I think he got on and it said, you know, hey, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we just got word that, uh, you know, from uh, the news and NASA that the space shuttle Columbia has burned up during its reentry and uh, the astronauts have feared to be lost. Right. It was a little more longer winded than that. But I'm just like, I I know exactly where I was sitting. I was sitting on the left hand side, like uh, the bleachers in front of all the ergs on the far left side and i was staring across like the the full gymnasium right you know with all of the little separators open so that there was just a fuck ton of fucking ergs everywhere so that image is burned into my mind i have two images from that day burned or three images on that day burned into my mind one it was it had snowed or it was still like just you know uh, melting after snow so i remember being in a family friend steve lee's car driving up there he had one of those old woodies and i remember that then i remember hearing about columbia and then the next thing i remember is being on the erg the last you know visual memory that i have is being on the erg looking at the screen after my body finally said fuck you it was not a good day for Ron. It was a bad day, dude. Not a good day at all. That day sucked ass, dude. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about like the history of I was in my, you know, because Hammond became a middle school. Uh, it used to be high school. Remember, it was one of the schools that was joined with uh, Thomas Jefferson. Dad made the transfer from Hammond to Jefferson. And that's where the, remember the Titans story Remember the from. Titans. So, um... And I do remember Dad talking about how uh, uh, Coach was mad at him because he wasn't in football. Oh, Dad did not do football, and he actually got Me. he got Coach uh, uh, Yost was mad at him when he was at Hammond, and then uh, uh, Coach Coach um, Boone yeah. Coach Boone asked him about it. West, <laughs> he said, "I remember it too." Walking down the hallway, and here comes Coach Boone. So who would have played your dad in the movie then? <laughs> <laughs> Louis Lastic. That would have been wild. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you're an ex, your whole family, your extras in Deep Impact. Yes. And your dad would have actually had somebody playing him in Remember the Titans. Yes. And it probably would have been. That would have been weird. I would have, I would have done it. I would have gone up and, and, and tried go. out for it. Like, Be like, hi. What do you, why, why are you, you know, why did you come out to, to, to uh, cast for the show or cast for the movie? And be like, My dad well, was on the team. My dad's Ron West. And they'd be like, oh. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's see how you read. 
Because <laughs> you would have been in high school at the time, so age perfect would perfect. have been, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. Hollywood, fuck all Hollywood. Hollywood doesn't <laughs> use high school age children. Well, it's, yeah, it's usually the thing is, okay, they'll hire somebody who's 18 or 19 because you don't have to worry about child labor laws at that point. Child labor. So, yeah, you don't and, have to deal with Dina Lohan, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Disney has dealt with this numerous times <laughs> where mom and dad decide to, all right, we're going to run this uh, this young starlet's life and, oh, snap. <laughs> so, yeah, it's usually when they're doing <laughs> movies about high school and stuff, they'll pick people who are at least 18. Or 25. Look, you know, young enough. Yeah, you know? Oh, at least, well, so a lot of times they'll be like 18 or 19. So, okay, you can pass them off as high schoolers. But a lot of times, like, hey, there was... Hell, um, in Harry Potter, great example. Moaning Myrtle was twice as old as every student in the movie. Right. She was in, like, she was our age. Now. In Chamber of Secrets. Yes. <laughs> our age now. Yes. In Chamber of Secrets. She's supposed to play playing a teenager. Yes. I'm sitting here going, wow, she's 20 years too old for that role, but hey, it works. But it she's actually, it fit. They did well with she's them. She's a ghost. It yeah, worked. She's the a performance ghost. was right on. So. Yeah. She's a vampire. <laughs> Fucking vamps. Vamp she's kids. a ghost. Do you believe in ghosts? I honestly don't know. There's a lot of shit that I can't come up with a rational explanation for the way things happen in the world. For all I know, that could be the explanation, but I honestly don't know. I never did. Right. It was more of always like a, a joke. Oh, yeah, that's probably a ghost doing that kind of a thing. Right. You know, kind of just just a little joke. Three things have happened to me very recently. That have really fucking changed my mind. Story time. First story is I was in bed. Jenny was not in. Oh, yeah, I think she was in bed. She was already asleep asked out sawing wood facing the opposite direction right and I was still like like you know twilight type of thing I rolled over and faced the other direction so I'm facing the wall she's facing the closet so our backs to each other right? mm-hmm. and I'm laying there I forget how I had my hand but I'm laying there was crazy and at just some random point i feel a hand underneath my hand and like i had my hand on top like put your hand on top of your hand right now like right now you feel your knuckles right yeah you feel how you can totally tell that that's a hand yeah I felt a hand crawl up underneath my hand, sit there for a second. And when I freaked out and went like that, there was nothing there. I'm like, okay, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't, my wife's not a ninja. What the blue fuck? <laughs> okay. Cause my wife's not a ninja. What the hell happened here? Crazy ass shit. And that, that was the first one where I was like, Okay, that one I really can't. I, I no. I can't even come up with a, a good idea that may, oh maybe I fell asleep and moved my hand and it freaked me out and I woke up. No, one one hand was underneath the pillow holding onto the pillow and it was still there when I freaked out. And I wasn't asleep. I was in twilight. You know, you could fall asleep. That's the twilight. Yeah, by the way, and you're not in REM sleep, so you're not. 
right. paralyzed. Right. And yeah. it, you, that twilight is where everybody that has it and millions upon millions of people have this where you feel like you're about like you're falling off of a cliff and it wakes you up. You know, you're not asleep yet. You just all of a sudden feel like you're falling off of a cliff. Like, Fuck, I was going to sleep, damn it. And you're still laying in the bed and you're like Now you're like, uh, holy shit. Now you're like wired and like, oh crap, they got a gen- adrenaline just injected into your system. I'm like, oh man, I'm not gonna sleep for like, four hours. Adrenaline jink. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh great, the next four hours I'm gonna be tossing and turning. Exactly. This sucks. Um Yeah, it was fucking dude. Fucking whoa. Next story time. Toby, my little orange mm-hmm. furball, is we we catch him every once in a while staring up at the attic. You know where the attic entrance is down by my bedroom, right? And he always stops, stares up, meows at it like once or something like that. But basically, just sits there and stares at it for like a half hour straight. Just at sitting a closed in the closed attic pull down. <laughs> yeah. So I go up and I said, Hey Toby Toby. And he looked over at me and then he went meow and turned back to me. Like he meowed at the entrance to the uh to the attic and then turned back to me. He's like, ghost, stay the fuck out. <laughs> he only does that. When he wants me to take a look at something or hmm. give him something. So like at the end of the night when he wants one of his snacks or something. Fuck. I just went to the freaking uh, uh, grocery store this morning and I didn't get him snacks. Dumb. I'm oh. going to feel the wrath of my cat. Anyway. Um, <laughs> he's going to wake up. You're going to wake up. He's going to be staring down at you. Right. <laughs> Meow. Hi. Look what you forgot. <laughs> Hi, Toby. How can I help you? Too? <laughs> so. He he does that so like when I come upstairs or something like that and he really wants one of his snacks, he'll turn his head towards the, the, the pantry, meow at the pantry, and then look back at me. Okay. So that's his way of pointing, kind of. Correct. Okay. So he's pointing at the fucking attic. And he does this a lot. A lot. It's a frequent thing. Yes. It's not just he did it once and okay, whatever. No, it's no like it, you've you've noticed a pattern. Twice a week. Once once or twice a week. Next time I come visit, he's gonna freaking do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna see this in action. I'm like, like, okay, we're going up into the attic. What the fuck did he just meow at? Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, Ron, grab every gra- grab a gun and grab one for me and grab flashlights. <laughs> yes. You're investigating. We're shit. going to check shit out. So yeah, all right. So there's that. I mean, we've always had the joke like uh, any uh, you know things fall down or something like that. It was it was pop. Uh, mom's dead, and uh, uh, or sir grandpa, and okay it's pop it's nana and pop they're hanging out they've been hanging out since we were you know kids it's always nana and pop right well you know post that and especially some of the more rather specific sounds and you know things falling over and things like that pretty sure my mother is hanging out at the house with pop and nana Mm -hmm. my mom's got a chiff mom's causing mischief so that could be just a thing right it's a 50 year old almost 50 year old house it's not really settling anymore 
Uh, but it creaks and cracks and, you know, doinks and stuff like that because it's a 50 year old fucking yeah, house. It's enough to knock something over. I mean, that's a significant settling. It's a significant doink. Yeah. That's the kind of thing you're like, oh, why is there a new crack in the wall? Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, because the house settled enough to knock something over. It's like, it's, oh, this is a problem. <laughs> uh, it was like, uh oh, that sounded expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, the last one, though was not just me that saw it and this one was crazy so uh when did he pass william county uh he passed on december 31st new year's eve in 2012 just remember that i'm not gonna I'm going to tell the story first, but just remember December 31st of 2012. Kiddo and her friend and I went to, uh, she was uh, doing that rover thing, right? You know, where she goes and and basically babysits a a dog, uh, you know, or whatever animals that these happen to be two dogs that we've, Jenny's been working with for years now. And when we were done, we're coming home and on the way home there's a stoplight right by our central district police station in this area right we're sitting at that light to turn left and on the right hand side there was a prince william county police suv sitting there waiting to take a right instead of we're taking a left well an officer obvious officer i mean full regalia you know, uh, vest, yeah. you know, duty belt. I mean, if you don't recognize that as being a cop, throw something heavy at your dumb head. <laughs> <clears throat> On the driver's side of the SUV, runs around the SUV and down the little sidewalk, and there's a little sign that says, you know, like, welcome to the area or whatever type of sign, you know, one of those brick and, you know, lettering on it and stuff runs behind the sign and we're kind of laughing like <laughs> he forgot to go pee before he left <laughs> he's taking a 10 100 station is right there he's like hey dispatch i'll be 10 8 for one second i'll right be next. 10 100 yes <laughs> so <laughs> it's better than a 10 200 all three of us are now looking directly at this police vehicle so all three of us saw this dude run over there and go behind this sign Mm -hmm. from the driver's side door of the SUV. So we're like, haha, that's funny. I mean, he can sit there. I mean, he's a police officer, you know, so he just park the car there for something, you know, go over here, pee, come back, whatever. Then the car drives away. And that's when all three of us look at each other like, what the fuck? What the like, fuck? Not the moment he steps out of it, I forgot to take it out of drive and set the parking brake. No. No. He walks away from the car and, and then, then it the starts car rolling. Makes its turn and starts going. So I immediately leave the turn lane, almost immediately, leave the turn lane, go over into the right turn lane, and to go follow this officer. Well, this officer's follow vehicle. vehicle. <laughs> right. So we turn 
right, it's perfectly clear, turn right, and as we're turning right, I grab my flashlight out of the center console, and I'm like looking to see if I see this cop behind this sign. There's not much behind the sign. There's there's some trees, there's a little hill. You can get behind the sign if that's where you got to take a whiz or whatever. But back behind that, it's a tree line, mm-hmm. a very thin tree line, and then uh, a building. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to go disappear into this parking lot or something. No, there's nothing to go hide behind really back there. So I'm look, I'm shining this light and I don't see anything. None of the kids see anything. So we start following this car and we're going down. Uh, uh, it's a parkway kind of goes into like a no man's land in between two cities. You know, there's nothing down there. There's no gas stations. There's no nothing, anything. It's just, just road. Get down there for a little while. And, you know, obviously the, the, the cop is all right. You know, he, she, whatever is going that way. So the very first turnaround that I could do, I did. And it's like a solid two or three miles or something like that. I finally make a U-turn, come back. And as we got stopped that light again, and I, now it's out my driver window. I roll down the driver window. I got my flashlight again. And I am like straight hunting down everywhere in this tree line behind the, the little sign, everything, nothing, no human is walking. No human being is visible. So the dude nothing. went to go take a leak and like how long after that did the car start rolling 10 15 seconds not not fast enough to have hit, for him to have just walked back and hell no. see him no hell no and our eyes never left it we were stopped in the left hand turn lane to go so he left. walks over behind the sign vanishes and then his car starts moving on its own accord correct okay this and now on... you're at the point where okay you're still looking back there have you gotten to the vehicle to see if there's anybody in the vehicle no, because it pulled away before we got to it. So it was ahead of okay. us on the parkway. Okay. But you didn't catch up to it and have a look, you know, just in case maybe you're... <laughs> no, because if there was a cop in it, I didn't want to do like 70 miles an well, hour. I was going to say, yeah, I thought you could all ass catch up to a cop, start shining a flashlight in his vehicle. <laughs> oh, you're going to have a fun night. <laughs> you all right, son? <laughs> <laughs> you okay? <laughs> As he backs behind me and then lights. <laughs> Woo! Like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just like, seeing if you were right. Weird, and he'll never believe that fucking story. I guarantee no. it. No. <laughs> like, good luck explaining that one. Though. Like, sir, like, I'm gonna. Need I, you. I decided to haul ass to catch up to your vehicle and shine a flashlight at you because, like, I thought a ghost was driving your car. I was like, sir, step out of the vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> Can you please come do this field sobriety test, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's gonna think you're nuts. <laughs> if I could see his unit number that's painted on the the or, or decaled on it, I would have called yeah. dispatch and been like. Hey, is everything okay with, you know, 3993 or whatever? Because this is the shit that I just saw and what the fuck, dude? He's like, am I am I just did I just miss him walking back to the vehicle or is some supernatural shit happening and I don't have my dash cam? Dude, and my dad dude, fuck. What the fuck? My dash cam. Oh, why did I it. why did I pull the footage? Ah. Uh. God damn it. Oh, I'm so pissed off now. Don't. So the 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 possibility, I guess, the thought process behind this is that I'm pretty sure who I knew it was. And here's the problem. He looked a lot like him. 
it was December 31st when this happened, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this Okay, so Kiddo would have been really young. If we're talking 2012, we're talking a decade ago. Uh, no, no, no. This, this, this just happened this past December 31st. Oh, just okay, a couple, so 10 just years Just a couple after. weeks ago. Yeah, just a couple weeks okay. ago. Um, <laughs> so on December 31st, 10 years ago, before 10 years before this, Prince William County officer, Chris Young, uh, who was 35 years old at the time, was a, um, moto unit, you know, motorcycle back when they still had, uh, um, Harleys and they're not driving the fucking BMWs or whatever the yeah, fuck probably they're driving BMW, now. Either a Harley or a BMW. I haven't seen yeah. cops running any of the, uh, anything else in this country. Yeah. Not that I can remember. Unfortunately, they're in beam, Beamers now. Uh, Beamers are comfy, though. It's like, I'm sure they got a much true, better ride. True. And one of <laughs> our family friends ride. is a moto guy, and I was just like, all right, yeah. But, you know, this is the least American thing you can do. Come on. <laughs> um, Officer Chris Young uh was killed in a motorcycle crash he was on his way to a crash uh you know a reported crash you know yeah, he was he was responding he was yeah. responding to a crash and was in a crash um that unfortunately killed him on december 31st he was a moto unit for the central district pretty sure we saw officer young Weird. dude dude so somebody else was in that unit it wasn't well in theory it's like yeah so yeah there's yeah there's some spooky shit to end on folks i'm pretty sure i i, I believe in ghosts now okay i'm just fucking saying <laughs> <laughs> welcome to this crazy ass show <laughs> And folks, y'all got all this shit on the free side. Exactly. <laughs> Holy shit, are you kidding me? Alright, so if you are a not a shit lord, that means you are either a lav attendant or a stoop kid. If you just like hanging out or you hang out and you do interact every once in a while. But to listen to the other half of this show, you have to graduate and become a shit lord. Which means you have to join, you have to support the channel, and you get to hear the other half. And not just the other half live right now, but also on its own channel that you can only hear by going to the website, being in the clubhouse, the shitlords clubhouse, and that's what you need to do. That's that's the needful. So join. Go to theporchfactor.com slash be a shitlord. Sign up, support the show come listen to the other half if you don't we'll see you next week yeah but for only an hour and a half well yeah. an hour and 40 minutes this time yeah y'all got a little bit extra this week because ron was telling you about his ghost stories and shit ron was on a roll and we ain't about to stop that fuck yeah all right <laughs> ladies and gentlemen thank you all for joining if you are a shit lord we will talk to you in just a few minutes if not motherfuckers we'll see you next week Adios. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Cause I will be.